Okay, so here we have a topic that affects so many people because marriage is the most common of the three vocations. Between marriage is the vocation, the consecrated single life is a vocation, and consecrated religious life, like being a priest, a monk, or a nun is a vocation. Now here, we hear about the Sadducees, different from the Pharisees now. The Sadducees, um, unlike the Pharisees, didn't believe in a resurrection. The Pharisees believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees did not. They could not see beyond our earthly realm. And I think, you know, they, they didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in the afterlife. It sounds like a lot of our society today. Um, if I can't see it, touch it, even like Thomas, if I can't see it, touch it, observe it, it, I don't believe it. That's what faith is all about, all right? And so by this question, they wanted to make the concept of the resurrection or heaven look foolish. So it was all just a ploy. So Jesus points out specifically that there is life after death. He basically confirms this. He refers to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to show that these three men are still alive, all right? Because he says God is a living God and he's God of living people. So basically these three had died already, but he's saying they're alive. And what about Moses and, and Elijah on the transfiguration? You know, a lot of people write, I'm very surprised by this, that once you're dead, that's it. And, and, and there's nothing that comes after that. Well. Moses and Elijah had died centuries before Christ, and yet there they were, speaking with him on the mountain of the transfiguration. All right, so anyway, this in here, what Jesus is giving us, um, is himself as the ultimate proof. Why is Jesus the ultimate proof, all right, of the resurrection? Because he died, you all know this, why did Christ die on the cross? Many reasons. He loves us, but a big reason is, of course, that the penalty for sin is death. So Jesus paid this penalty. <clears throat> We've all sinned, so we should all die. But he paid this debt so we could live forever. But I always ask that, why did Jesus die on the cross? But rarely do I ask, why did Jesus resurrect? So Jesus died on the cross, but why did he resurrect? Because the last thing to have complete hold over us is death. Sin gets us in this lifetime, but death is the ultimate goal of Satan. Death has the ultimate hold, and Christ liberated us from everything in his life, including sin, by forgiving sin. But the last remaining enemy for Christ to defeat was death. So by resurrecting, resurrecting he defeated that last enemy as death to show that this death caused by sin no longer has control over us. In other words, he opened the doors to heaven. Now, once in heaven though, things will be different. So our focus will not be on our careers, our material goods, or even just on each other. What it'll be on is God. And marriage, as he says, which is necessary here, will not be necessary in heaven. He said they will not be marriage 
in heaven in the way that we understand it. Now, why is that? He says, when you rise from the dead, they will neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now, why is that? Okay, you've heard me say this before, but we need to reiterate it here. There's three objectives of marriage. Every marriage has three objectives. One is procreative. You're open to life. Even if you can't have children, you're open to it. That is the beautiful um, fruit that comes from the union of the two. That leads us to our second objective is unitive. The man and the wife, two become together as one flesh. So it's procreative, it's open to life, two, it's unitive that they come together in the two becoming one flesh in a covenant. Every time in the marital act that you engage, you are renewing a covenant given by God. It's not to be an act of lust. It's not to be that. It's an act of the renewal of the covenant that God gave us. The two shall become one flesh. So it's procreative, it's unitive. And the third one is to get your spouse to heaven, to grow in holiness. Those three objectives are not needed in heaven. One, procreative isn't needed in heaven because nobody dies anymore. There's no need to reproduce. The sexual union is no longer needed in heaven because again, there's no need for children because we don't die, we don't have to reproduce. But also the ultimate union is God. So the union on this earth that we have with the spouse is not needed and the priest has with the church will be ultimately fulfilled in heaven with the union with God. And then third, to get your spouse to heaven isn't needed in heaven because your spouse is even is there or not. <laughs> so, and people are like, Father, I will never be happy in heaven if my spouse or my children are not there. That's a great question. I would rather not be in heaven if my pet's not there. I would not rather be in heaven if my children aren't going to be there. Well, all right, what about that? Revelation 21.4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And since missing our loved ones would fall under the category of pain or mourning, God wipes that away. So wait a minute, Father, what if my loved ones are not there? All right, this is really touchy. But we will not be sad because justice is done. A while ago, I explained in one of my Saturday talks, and I heard, I forget who I heard say this. I'm borrowing it from somebody, and I forget who. I think it was Tim Staples. He tried explaining it because the question came into him, how could I be happy if my love, all my loved ones are not there? All my friends, relatives, neighbors, if they're not all there, how could I be happy? And he said, first of all, whoever's not there didn't want to be there. When you force somebody to do something against their free will, they're not happy. And so they don't want to be there. They've chosen not to be there. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose it. So first of all, they've been chosen. He said, secondly, think about a court case. Don't forget God is justice just as he is mercy. And he said, suppose you're in a court case 
And heaven forbid that somebody assaulted your daughter and killed her. And the jury came back and there's the judge in the courtroom. And this person had assaulted and killed your daughter. And the judge says, you're free to go. Live in happiness. All the joys and splendors of this world you can have. He said, you would be furious. That's unjust. That person doesn't deserve that. He said, it would be unjust. So likewise, he said, if the judge comes back after this person assaults and kills your daughter and says, your sentence is eternal or forever, what do you call it? Life in prison. You will no longer be free. You're going to be imprisoned the rest of your life. You would say, that is just. That is just. Sadly, I've even seen parents of the, not the victims, but of the perpetrators. The per parents of somebody who murdered somebody say, my heart is broken, but the decision was just. We're talking somebody who's guilty. Sadly, that's exactly what our Lord says. My heart is broken, but the sentence is just. So therefore, nobody would say, well, that person should be allowed to live in freedom and happiness and joy and celebration the rest of his life because he chose to do something completely against that. And so we will not feel in heaven that it's been wronged. God's just sentences will all be understood by all of us. None of us will say that was unjust, Lord, that that person was sent to hell because they chose it. So we won't be unhappy without them. We will not be sad. Our focus will, and here's the thing. People say, well, Father, I don't want to think about that. If my loved ones might not be there. Well, here's the thing. Your focus should be on bringing your loved ones to Christ and praying for them. We do this so that they will be there rather than worrying about how we can be happy if they aren't. So this is important. I think a lot of people don't see this. All right. Let's go back real quick. I only got a few minutes left to talk about the marriage in heaven. On earth, we have death. So children are needed to carry on our race by generation. So on earth, having children is a primary age, aim of marriage. But that's why the Jewish men married their brother's wife to carry on the family after his death. All right. But in heaven, as I said, there'll be no death, no need to do that. The Lord says we'll be like the angels, meaning that we'll have eternal spirits. All right. Now, we won't die, as I said, or reproduce. The most, and here's the thing I think is most interesting. I just gave you the three things that will not be needed in heaven, but there's one other big thing that I think wraps them all up together. Now, listen to this. Here on earth, 
the most intense personal communication that there can be happens between married people. Because only between married people is that communication so intense, it literally, the two become one. That doesn't happen in any other way. In marriage on earth, that intense communication, that complete giving of yourself is so intense that you can only give it to one person in that way. If you gave it to every person in that way, it would be more beyond our physical capabilities. Our bodies wouldn't be able to do that. But in heaven, our body is transformed. It is spiritualized that it can actually communicate with everyone through the body of Christ in a complete giving way that we do with one person on earth. So here's the thing. We will communicate more extensively, more intimately with everyone in heaven. So marriage isn't needed. Here on earth is a precursor to that. We get ready for it by experiencing what it's like here on earth. And so this is powerful stuff. Marriage, as you've heard me say this before, is like a mirror of the Trinity, right? You all have heard me say this, that the Trinity and the Trinity, you have God the Father and you have uh, the lover, and then you have God the Son, the Beloved, and the love between them is so great that from it comes a third person, the Holy Spirit, not created, but proceeds. Now, you've all heard me say this. The love between the husband and the wife is the same. You have the husband, the lover, the wife, the beloved, and the love between them is so great that from it comes a third person, the child. You've all heard me say this. So on earth, we mirror the Trinity, but in heaven, we will share in the life of the Trinity. See the difference? On earth, in marriage, we mirror the Trinity. In heaven, we will share in the life of the Trinity. That's amazing. Yes, we will still know our family, our friends, and our spouses. These relationships will still exist, but to a different degree, to the fullest level. But marriage in heaven, ultimate marriage, is not with each other, but God himself. And this is what people don't miss or don't uh, understand. They miss it. I talked about having a precursor on this earth with your spouse to what you will love and how you will love others in heaven. God gives you the practice here on earth with your spouse. He gives you only one focus to get ready to practice how to truly love, how to completely give of yourself, how to get completely receive that love. He gives you one person with which to do that. Then in heaven, you're going to do it with everybody. But it's the same with the Trinity. On earth, we mirror the Trinity. In heaven, we'll share in the Trinity. And that is also a precursor of the Mass. Or the Mass is a precursor of heaven. The Mass is a foretaste of heaven. Because in it, we, we, we take Christ into us. It's that nuptial where he, the groom, enters into us, the bride. It's that nuptial relationship. People got all scandalized when I bring that up. This is the church fathers. I'm not making this up. 
The church fathers tell us it's a nuptial marriage between Christ the groom and the church the bride and who's the church we are. And so we here get ready for the ultimate marriage in heaven because it'll be with God by here on earth receiving Holy Communion. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely incredible. And people are like, Father, if marriage means this much, then what about divorce? Divorce is everywhere. Divorce is rampant. Remember, there is no such thing as divorce in the Catholic Church. Father, what are you talking about? No, an annulment is not a Catholic divorce. An annulment is stating that there was no sacramental marriage to begin with. And no, the children are not illegitimate. A legalized marriage did exist. An annulment doesn't say a legal marriage didn't exist. An annulment says a sacramental marriage didn't exist. And so if you get divorced and you are not to fault or to blame, like you're a victim, you can receive Holy Communion. It is getting married without an annulment and engaging in relations that you cannot receive Holy Communion because you are still technically married if you haven't been annulled. And so the whole key is baptism of the spouses. And if you have any questions, you can see a talk I did online about marriage. If you go to our YouTube channel, it's on there. And I explain everything about what defines a marriage and the reality of civil divorce and how the church teaches that, that you don't have to have the permission of your spouse to get an annulment. It doesn't declare your children as illegitimate. And it doesn't say that you're a bad person. What it says is that a sacramental marriage didn't exist. So we never had a marriage in the first place, even though you thought there was a marriage. Therefore, the children were conceived fully within the beautiful grace of what we believe to be a true marriage in God. It's not, a, it's, it's, it's not looking at it as penalizing the other spouse or penalizing the children. And so we have to understand what the church gives us in the meaning of our faith. And so today, let's pray for marriages. Catholic divorce rates are the same as the rest of secular society. We want to pray today, especially with Christ gives us what marriage is about, to use it on this earth to get ready for heaven. It is important. It is a sacrament. It is sacred. And one of the things that the politicians that we're losing is the sacredness of marriage. You know, people always say that, well, don't get political, don't get political. I'm not saying that we're supporting any candidate or party or whatnot. What we do support is the dignity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, and the preservation of religious liberty. Our job is to support those who support that. If somebody's against the dignity of human life, pro-abortion all the way, against the sanctity of marriage that redefines it not between a man and a woman and wants to strip us of all religious liberties, we can't support that. It has nothing to do with individual people or political parties. It has to do with the law of God. And it starts and ends with our giving of our will to him. And marriage is a great practice for that because you surrender your will for the good of the other. So let us bless all marriages today and give thanks to God for the gift of your spouse. For me as a priest, that spouse is the church. Are you a Marian helper? 
Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.